0: In a moment, we'll begin reading in verse 13, Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. There was an interesting article on Yahoo.com a few years ago, and the headline said this, Toddler Buys Car on eBay. A Mr. Paul Stout made the mistake of putting down his smartphone with his 14-month-old daughter nearby. She grabbed it when he wasn't looking. He was focused on the work he was doing on his laptop. Meanwhile, that little girl was fascinated with the phone and all of the lights, and she began to randomly push buttons and swipe a few minutes later, Mr. Stout received a notification an email informing him that his bid was the winning bid for a 1962 Austin Healey. <laughs> it turns out that somehow that 14-month-old girl just randomly pushing buttons on daddy's cell phone managed to submit a bid of for this old fixer-upper, and yes, he did, in fact, buy it. Mr. Stout said, I'm glad she didn't buy the Porsche I was looking at. (laughs) Well, we know that children can be a challenge, but they are also a blessing. Unfortunately, our culture doesn't seem to look at children that way. Children, to many people, are considered a burden instead of a blessing. Did you know that right now in America, the birth rate is the lowest that it has ever been? Even in the Great Depression, the birth rate was higher than it is right now. Now, we're seeing a generation that really doesn't want anything to do with having children. I saw a poll out of Canada, and this is to the north of us, but it perhaps reflects much of what we're seeing here. But in that nation, there was a survey in which more people oppose plastic straws than oppose abortion. But in Psalm 127, we see that children are a blessing from the Lord. They are an inheritance from the Lord. So it is not a surprise to us when we read through the Gospels and we see what an important role, what a prominent role that children played in his ministry. For example, when Jesus taught his disciples what it means to be great in the eyes of God, He used the example of a child. And when Jesus taught them about faith, what does it mean to really have faith? He used the example of a child. Many of the miracles that Jesus performed involved children. We think of Jesus on Palm Sunday and how the children were singing and dancing, celebrating his arrival. It angered some, but Jesus said, leave them alone. It is very obvious when we read the Gospels that children loved Jesus, they loved being around Jesus, and that tells us a lot about Jesus, because children don't enjoy being around mean, grumpy people. I don't either, to tell you the truth. But children especially don't, but they love being around Jesus, and Jesus loved being around children. And I want you to understand just how much this went against the current of the culture in the first century. In the first century, children were not valued. In fact, there was a rabbinic saying that went like this, morning sleep, midday wine, and chattering with children will destroy a man. That's how little they thought of children. And yet, in Mark chapter 10, we're going to read this brief story involving Jesus and children, and it's very simple on the surface, and yet it's also very important because it shows us what Jesus' attitude was towards children, and His attitude towards children should be our attitude towards children. Whether or not you are called to be a father or mother, whether you have that opportunity and that blessing, it is vitally important that every born-again child of God understand what is a biblical view of children, that we have a Christ-like attitude towards children. So there are three things that I want us to notice about Jesus and how he interacted with children from this passage. First of all, I want you just to notice the love of Jesus for children. The love of Jesus for children. When I was a little boy, I learned that song. Many of you did as well. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Well, in verse 13, we see a picture of that. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. Let me pause right there. I want you to notice the Bible says that they brought little children to Jesus. Now, let's ask the question, how little were these children? You probably had different ages represented But there's a detail in the text that I don't want you to miss. This story is told in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke's Gospels. And the other Gospel writers, when they describe the children that were brought to Jesus at this time in the story, there's a particular word that they used. They refer to these children using the word brephos. Now, in the New Testament, the word brephos is the word that would translate infant, but guess what? It is also the word that was used to describe a child who was still in his or her mother's womb. In fact, this is the word that is used to describe what happened when Mary visited Elizabeth and she was pregnant with John the Baptist. And the Bible says that the breathos inside of her leaped for joy. And the same word that is used to describe the unborn or the preborn child is also used to describe the newborn child, the baby before birth and the baby after birth. These days, in English, we make this distinction. We'll refer to a fetus and a baby, but it is very important that you understand In the word of God, when God sees both, God uses the same word. When God sees that image of that child in his mother's womb, God looks at that child and says, Brephos. When God sees that baby who has just been born, God looks at that child and once again, God says, Brephos. The state of development matters not, and the location of the child matters not, because in both cases, the Word of God calls that child brephos, and from conception forward, that child is brephos, because there is life, and that life is a child. So the Bible says that they brought these little children, breathos, even little infants, to Jesus. Now, I want you to skip down to verse 16 and notice what Jesus did with them. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. These little children were brought to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus. So that he could lay hands on them. Now this was a practice that went all the way back to Jacob when he blessed his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He laid hands on them and we see Jesus doing the same, copying that practice. And apparently Jesus loved children. He loved these children because he knew that they are the sovereign work of his father and by the way I also want to point out Jesus blessed these babies he did not baptize them he blessed them now parents it is wise to introduce your children to Jesus even when they are too young to remember let me remind you of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 he said and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul said, Timothy, from infancy you have known or you've been taught the Holy Scriptures, and guess what? That Greek word that Paul used for infant in 2 Timothy 3.15, yes, it is brephos. Paul says to Timothy, when you were a brephos, when you were so young, others would call you a baby. Even then, you were being taught the scriptures. So it's never too early to begin teaching the word of God. If they learn it and they apply it, it will guide them. It will direct them. It will sustain them. It will protect them. In fact, You don't have to wait until they are out of the nursery. You can go ahead and begin teaching them the scriptures. Don't wait until they're in preschool. Don't wait until they are in kindergarten or first grade to begin teaching them the word of God because they can learn more than you think they can. And they might just apply it better than you do. Well, they were bringing the babies to Jesus to bless them. But going back to verse 13, the Bible says that the disciples rebuked them. Now that is a very strong word. They rebuked them. They were harsh. They didn't think it was a good use of Jesus' time for him to spend time with little children. They thought, well, he has more important things to do. He has people to heal and sermons to preach and people to see and places to go Jesus can't spend time with babies well they were wrong and so they were so wrong verse 14 says that Jesus was greatly displeased that those are also strong words he was furious you know you messed up when the bible says that Jesus is furious some translations say indignant with you by the way you can learn a lot about a person by the things that anger them you want to really get to know someone what they're all about one of the first questions you should ask about that person is what makes them mad what gets them angry some people get angry when they have to wait five minutes for their five dollar coffee And they get mad. Well, Jesus was angry. He was indignant when he saw the way his disciples were treating these children, when he saw their attitude towards the children. Makes me wonder what he would say about some of our attitudes towards children, even in our churches today. Well, the disciples sent them away, but Jesus brought them in. We see the love of Jesus for children. We also see in this the responsibility that we have to children. The responsibility that we have to children. Go back to verse 14. Jesus said, says he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Jesus sees his disciples uh, rebuking the children, and he gives them two commands. One is positive, the other is negative, something that they are to do and something that they must not do. He said, let them come to me and Do not forbid them. Now, again, these are not just instructions for parents. Much of what I'm saying this morning uh, certainly applies to parents. You have the primary role. But let me remind you, in this story, the context, Jesus was not talking specifically to parents. He was talking to his disciples. You do not have to be a mom or a dad for these words to apply to you. Well, two responsibilities that we see in these two statements. A responsibility to bring them to Christ. A responsibility to bring them to Christ. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. This begins at home. And let me say, parents, and to you fathers, especially one day... You're going to stand before God. You're going to give an account for how seriously you took your responsibility to bring your children to faith in Christ and maturity in Christ. You say, Well, how do we do this? We evangelize them with a home that is saturated with the gospel, we disciple them, we pray for them. We encourage them to live for God. We bless them with our words, with our actions. We model for them what the Christian life looks like. We challenge them to do great things for God. We make a conscious decision to leave them in God's hands and to trust them uh, to God's will, no matter what that brings. We let our children see us faithfully worshiping and serving God. So let me ask you, what will you do to bring children to Jesus? We have a nursery ministry that seems to always need workers. We want to teach them before they even understand. We want to teach them the scriptures. We have a great ministry on Sunday morning called First Kids We have a fantastic ministry every Wednesday night called Awana in which we we teach children God's word and they learn to hide it in their hearts. I think about Vacation Bible School that's right around the corner. There are so many ways. All of this takes workers. It takes people who are committed to what Jesus is saying in verse 14. There's another responsibility here and that is the responsibility not to hinder them from coming to Christ. Jesus said, do not forbid them. There are many things that can be a hindrance to children coming to Christ. Pride can hinder them. When a father or a mother is too proud to acknowledge their need for God, little Johnny grows up and says, well, if dad doesn't need Jesus, neither do I. Your unbelief can hinder children. They need to see you clinging to the promises of God. Hypocrisy can hinder children. Uh, If your children see you being one thing on Sunday and something else Monday through Saturday... Now, not every time, but I fear that a lot of the times when children grow up in church and then walk away from God, maybe, sometimes, it's because they could not reconcile what their parents taught them with how their parents were living their lives. Apathy can hinder them. Your children will know if God is on the outskirts of your life, they will know if prayer is important to you, if God's word is important to you, if serving God is important to you. You know, one way a lot of parents hinder their children is by underestimating, underestimating their ability to receive spiritual truth. And let me tell you something, that child by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit is capable of learning more spiritual truth than the greatest philosophers of this world can on their own. Don't you underestimate that child and what they can learn even at a young age and how soon they can know God. We must remove anything from our lives that would hinder children from coming to Jesus. So Jesus said we have a responsibility to bring them and not hinder them. And then he told the reason. At the end of verse 14, he said, for of such is the kingdom of God. For of such is the kingdom of God. That's one of the most beautiful statements, I believe, in all of the Bible. And by the way, just a little parenthesis here. This may not be the main point of the passage, but when I read these words, this does give us reason to believe That those babies who die in their mother's womb or who die before they've reached an age where they can understand the gospel, where they have not knowingly committed sin, they are covered by God's grace and go to heaven. It is unthinkable that Jesus would say to people outside of the kingdom of God, you are outside of the kingdom of God, but if you want to be in the kingdom of God, then you need to be like these children over here who are also outside of the kingdom of God. You understand that would undercut the entire argument that Jesus is making in this passage. And so, the very fact that Jesus would say of children for such is the kingdom of God, yes, gives us reason to believe that one day in heaven we'll be reunited with that child that died. I'm personally looking forward to such a reunion one day because of such is the kingdom of God. And so we see the love of Jesus for children, the responsibility we have to children, but then one more thing, I want you to notice in this story, the lessons we learn from children. The lessons we learn from children. Look at verse 15. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, will by no means enter it. What an incredible statement! In order to enter the kingdom of God, one must, Jesus said, enter as a child. What is the kingdom of God? It is simply the rule and the reign of Christ in the hearts and in the lives of people. It is a real kingdom, just as real as any other kingdom in the pages of history. It is an invisible kingdom, but it's not going to stay an invisible kingdom because one day Jesus will return and literally establish his kingdom on the earth In this case, in Mark 10, when Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of God, he's talking about how to have eternal life and heaven. He's talking about how to be saved. And Jesus said, if you want to enter this kingdom, you must come as a child, or you do not and will not come at all. Too many people think that children must come as adults, but Jesus turned that completely around. He said adults must come as children, and so as important as it is that we teach our children certain things, it's also important that we learn certain things From our children. Now what is it that we should learn from our children that is essential for entering the kingdom of God? What do children teach us? If we must enter the kingdom like children, how exactly are we supposed to emulate them? Well, perhaps the greatest thing that we can learn is helpless dependence. Helpless dependence. Dependence. You consider a newborn baby and that child is 100% helpless and dependent on others. If that child is left to his or her own, that child will die of hunger, of thirst, of exposure. No newborn baby will survive unless someone intervenes. Now imagine for one moment Jesus holding one of these babies in Mark chapter 10. That baby is completely incapable of coming to Jesus on his own. That baby cannot recognize Jesus. That baby can't even yet crawl to Jesus. Someone must carry him. And yet here is this baby in the arms of Jesus. Now, with this picture in mind, do you realize that this is a picture of how helpless we are and how dependent we are before God? This picture, this image in Mark 10 of Jesus holding these babies, this is a picture of the gospel. These children are helpless and dependent. They cannot earn what they receive They are incapable of coming on their own. And likewise, we must acknowledge that we are helpless and that we are dependent on God's mercy and grace. We have to acknowledge that there's nothing that we have done to earn salvation. We cannot come unless God draws us in this way we come as children. Now, contrast that. To the Pharisees and what they were teaching the people. They were teaching the people that in order to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to strive and you've got to work hard. You have to discipline yourself and keep the law. They said, it takes a lifetime of good works to have any hope of entering God's kingdom. Well, no wonder Jesus said, no. You must enter as children because children cannot do any of these things. They don't have any achievements. They they don't have any accomplishments. They're not devoted to the law. They haven't done any good works. When did a baby ever feed the hungry? When did a baby ever help the homeless? Babies come empty-handed, and that's how we come to God, empty-handed as well. We learn from these children, helpless dependents, that God saves sinners like us apart from our performance. We also learn total trust. Children are trusting, aren't they? Man, children, they trust their parents for everything They believe by faith that they will receive whatever they need. Uh, Your children do not go home and ask you, are we eating dinner tonight? At least I hope not. They go home and they ask, what's for dinner tonight? They trust that you're going to provide for them. Children trust you to protect them. I can remember, as many of you parents can, when my children were small enough to literally fit In the palm of my hand is something that every daddy does when mom's not watching and you can you can hold that baby up with one hand and that baby will smile and giggle they're not worried for one moment now if some giant picked me up and held me up like that I would scream bloody murder but that child's not worried at all They trust you that you're not going to let them fall. And when they get a little bit older, again, dads, when mom's not looking and you you toss them up in the air and then catch them, they love it. They're not worried that their head might hit the ceiling fan. They're not worried that they're going to fall to the ground. They trust you to catch them. Jesus said in John 10, if you're in one of his sheep, he said, there's no man who is able to pluck you out of my hand and no one who can pluck you out of my father's hand. Amen. It says in, in Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. Just as a baby displays total and complete trust, we also can trust God totally and completely, not just to save us, but also to take care of us, to guard us. Part of being like a child is total trust in God. And then another thing we learn from children is simply how to receive a gift. Children understand that. They simply receive what they're given. By the time they're two or three years old and their birthday comes around, they know what to do. They've already figured it out. You offer them a gift, they just take it. They don't give any thought to whether or not they earn it. They don't try to repay you for it. They simply receive it as a gift. And so when you tell that child a few years later that salvation is a gift to them, it makes perfect sense. Well, well, why wouldn't it be a gift? Of course it's a gift. Everything they receive is a gift. Every toy they have was a gift. Every meal is a gift. And so when they hear later on that according to Romans six twenty three, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, they have no problem with that. On the other hand, many times you tell a grown-up that heaven is a gift, that they can't pay for it, they can't work for it, they can't earn it, that they simply must receive it by faith and that grown-up will struggle how can that be because that man or that woman they've got to work for everything in life and why would this be any different you know sometimes it's harder for a grown-up to understand the gospel than for a child to understand the gospel and this is why Coming as a child means simply receiving the gift that God offers us in Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to do something this week. I want to challenge you to pray and say, God, help me to be childlike today. I didn't say, God, help me to be childish today. We have enough of that already. But God, help me to be childlike Help me to be like a child in the way I depend upon you, the way that I believe you, the way that I receive your word. And maybe for some of you here this morning, you need to enter the kingdom of God as a child. You need to acknowledge right now how helpless and how dependent you are, that on your own, you cannot save yourself. That's why Jesus had to come from heaven to earth and die upon the cross for your sins and for mine, Maybe this morning you need to acknowledge your helplessness and your dependence and simply place your trust, your faith in Christ alone for salvation, receiving salvation as a gift by grace through faith alone. Heavenly Father, there's so much that we learn from children that we see in this passage. And Jesus told us, That whoever would enter the kingdom of God must enter as a child. And so, God, would you help us, Lord, to see what that looks like in our own lives. God, would you help us this morning to to trust you, to believe you, to take you at your word, to have that simple, childlike faith And for those who are here today who perhaps have never done so, to just receive salvation as a gift, understanding we can't work for it, we can't earn it, it's a gift for us to receive. So, Father, I pray in these next moments, if there's anyone here who needs to do that, that this would be their day, that they call upon Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives, and they are saved. And, God, I pray you'd help all of us to take everything we've seen in your Word, that it would change our thinking, and if need be, our attitudes so that we do have a biblical attitude towards children, that we would see children as a blessing and not as a burden. Help us, Lord, to embrace the attitude of Jesus and to do everything we can at the youngest age to bring them to Christ, as he said, and not forbid them. And God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let me just encourage you, for those of you who are here today who've never taken that step, who've never received eternal life as a gift. It is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work for it. Jesus paid it all is a song that we sing around here every now and then. And uh, because he paid it all, uh, there's nothing for us to add. We simply receive it by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So for those of you in this room and those of you online watching as well, if you need to take that step this morning, we want to encourage you, don't wait another day, another moment. Today's the day of salvation. We encourage you just to call on the Lord and admit, say, I'm a sinner, I've broken your law, I cannot save myself, but I believe Jesus died for me. And rose again and i will follow him i'm trusting in him as lord of my life that means you're giving him control that means you're saying i will follow jesus you lead and i'll follow and the bible says that whosoever shall call upon the lord shall be saved i'll be standing here at the end of the service if i can meet with you and pray with you about that then then let's do so you just come and say pastor i need to take that step this morning